Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day, Monday through Friday, on this program. Search the Scriptures does exactly that. We get into God's Word, we dig deep, we look at it in detail, but we strive to explain the teachings of God's Word in an easy-to-understand fashion and in a way that makes sense for your daily life. You know, God has given us his word, the Bible, as the greatest guidebook, most effective and powerful way to live the best life that a human being can possibly live. You know, we're in a culture right now of all kinds of self-help manuals and and self-help infomercials and seminars and workshops, supposedly teaching us all kinds of different ways to live a better life, to have more satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness and joy and be healthier, and the list goes on and on and on. Well, the greatest guidebook that man has ever had available is the Bible. The Bible. Now, that's not saying that some of those self-help manuals and all of those workshops and all of that stuff does not does not mean that there's not some value in all of that but they do not compare to equip us to live life and ultimately have eternal life with God in heaven the way the bible does the bible is that particular guidebook and manual for us to live by You might think of it as a road map to guide us through life, but it tells us, it teaches us the principles of godliness, the principles of effective living, the most effective kind of lifestyle that a person can live. When people do not read the Bible, they are handicapping themselves in life. They need that guidance. The wisdom of God is communicated through his word. The wisdom of God. If mankind ever needed righteousness since the days of Noah, this would certainly be a prime time for them to come to that realization. We need the ways of righteousness. And those ways are not going to come through governmental edict or laws or programs, those ways are going to come as we get into God's word. Learn those teachings and effectively implement them, apply them in our lives and in our culture. We try to help people along these lines on Search the Scriptures. We want to help you get to heaven. You want faith? Get into God's word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your faith grows stronger, then you should be coming closer to God. And ultimately, you should come to the point where you make up your mind that you're not going to just believe in God, but you're going to follow God. You're going to give your life to him through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith openly, and surrendering to him in baptism wherein the blood of Christ shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And you will be reborn, John 3 and verses 3 through 5, made new spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And you will be on that pathway to an eternal home with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. 
What a great opportunity that we have. What a great blessing we have by having God's Word. Encourage others to listen to this program. And if they cannot listen on a regular basis, then encourage them to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. churchofchrist.com. And click on the podcast button as they scroll down our home page. Sign up for our podcasting. It'll take about one minute to do so. It's free. It always will be free. And they'll receive to whatever device they choose, their smartphone, their computer, laptop, iPad, tablet, whatever it might be, automatically these programs will go every day, five days a week, to their device. But they'll also receive all of our sermons, our Bible classes, our daily Today's Bible class, a short 12-minute study each day. All of this will automatically go to their device. And they'll have the opportunity then to whenever they have the time during the day, they can click on those podcasts and they can listen. You may help somebody get to heaven. So share that information with them and take advantage of it yourselves. We are coming to the close of our final section of study on the general subject of God's grace. We've been looking at this for weeks now. And we've divided it into specific sections. And here we are in the final lesson or the final program in the final section. And this final section says God's grace is sufficient. We've talked about how there are many people who never become a Christian because they think they can't live the Christian life faithfully, consistently. Or they think that they have been so bad in their lives that they cannot be forgiven. And so they never become a Christian. There are many Christians who never become active, working, serving Christians because they don't think they have the abilities to do anything. They don't have the capabilities to effectively, actively serve God in any capacity. And so both of these groups, they do not take into account the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their lives. We've talked about the first application. God's grace is sufficient to save you, even you. You cannot save yourself. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you do in this life, you cannot save yourself. God will save you by his grace as you come to him in faithful obedience, coming to him his way. The second application we looked at God's grace is sufficient to enable you to effectively serve him even though you may be hindered by physical weaknesses, handicaps, or some kind of other impediments. God's grace is sufficient to effectively uh, to equip you to serve him. The third application, God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him even if you perceive yourself as not being very well educated. He can still use you. There are people to whom, for whom, you have particular influence that even the most scholarly individual on earth does not have that kind of influence with those individuals. But by God's grace, 
he can equip you to reach those people on your level, perhaps. Fourth, God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him, even though you might think that you don't speak well. You're not eloquent of speech. You may be slow of speech. You may be, think you're tongue-tied or whatever, but God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him, even in that feeling of insufficiency on your part. God's grace is sufficient. Now, the last application that we're going to look at, and you may be able to think of some other applications, but the last application we're going to, think at, uh, going to look at, God's grace is sufficient to use you effectively even if you are not financially set, so to speak. You might say, I haven't got anything. I don't have any money. I'm barely making it. What can I do? God's grace is sufficient to use you effectively even in that kind of negative financial setting. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're not going to read the entire text, but in this particular text, the Apostle Paul writes about some congregations in Macedonia. And he talks about them being very zealous and active in a particular work that involved their making financial contributions to try to effectively pursue that work. But the wrench was, these were very poor congregations. But they were ready to use whatever they had. And boy, they really zealously wanted to be a part of that work. Beginning with verse 1 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we read this. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. Oh, here's God's grace coming in, see? That's what we're talking about. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, their abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. What descriptive language that is. The churches of Macedonia, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. These were poor congregations, but Paul says they, their poverty was deep, and yet they abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability... Yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Paul was gathering funds to help take care of the needy Christians back in Jerusalem. These churches in Macedonia were poor congregations, he described them as being in deep poverty, but that did not hold them back. They pretty much insisted, we want to be a part of this work, and so they gave 
Oh, they gave. Verse 5 says, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves. Now, you see, that's key. You think you can't do nothing? You understand the misuse of grammar there for, in, for effect? You think you can't do anything? You can't speak well? You, can't, you, you don't know how? You don't have any money to do anything? Not only as we hoped, Paul said, but they first gave themselves. You've got to make up your mind first to give yourself to the Lord. And then God's grace is sufficient to take care of the rest. They first gave themselves, Paul said, to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. What grace? But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What grace? Was Paul instructing the Corinthian congregation to abound in? What were the churches of Macedonia? Those congregations in deep poverty, what were they doing? What example were they laying out for the other congregations all over the known world at that time? They were giving to that particular work that Paul was gathering funds for. They wanted to help those needy Christians in Jerusalem. They gave beyond what Paul and those with him had hoped for. They began by first giving themselves to the Lord. And then they gave of their material means, their money. And so Paul says, in essence, congregation at Corinth, Christians there in Corinth, learn from their example. As you abound in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence and in your love for us, See that you abound in this grace, the grace of giving also. Well, some people might say, you know, I, I, I hear you, preacher, but I, I, I don't know how I can do that. I've told you. I'm barely making it. It's a struggle just to feed my family. I don't have anything left over. Well, we think a whole lot of the time from the culture of the 21st century United States of America population. A whole lot of what, what we think are necessities would be luxuries to many other people in many other countries around the world. Luxuries. Some of the things we think we have to have as necessities they don't even think about having those things because they're not necessities, they're luxuries. I used to work for a short period of time while I was still in college, training as a gospel minister. I worked with a small congregation in Nashville, Tennessee that was very poor as far as financial means were concerned. I 
was told, I believe, that the average income within that congregation was some t- somewhere around 90-some dollars a week. Now, that was, <clears throat> that was poor even in those days, as long ago as that was. But that congregation did mighty works for the Lord. I can't tell you how many souls were led to salvation through the works of that congregation back during that period of time. You see, they did not let what they did not have keep them from doing what they could with what they did have. And God's grace was sufficient to use them in powerful ways to spread the gospel. The churches of Macedonia were in deep poverty, but that did not stop them from giving what they could to the work that lay before them. And what a great example they have been to Christians throughout the ages. Think about that poor widow that Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. He looked up, that is, Jesus looked up, and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Now, two mites would have been a very small sum of money. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, more than all of those rich folks putting their gifts into the treasury. This poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Did she put in as much monetarily as those rich folks had done? No comparison. Of course not. But in what she put in, as the Lord says, she put in all that she had. She put in more than they did. And now, God has used her through inspired scripture to teach the rest of us from that day, almost 2,000 years ago, to this day, how we need to be dedicated to God, how we need to abound in the grace of giving. We learn from that widow, even into this generation, and people will learn from that widow about the grace of giving until the Lord comes again. In Luke chapter 6, and verse 38, Jesus said this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Do you trust God to bless you? To give as you have been prospered? To give maybe to the point where you feel like this is hurting? To give in spite of your feeling that you don't have to give, we don't have anything to give? Do you trust God to bless you? 
God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient to bless you in ways that you don't even yet expect. God's grace is sufficient to use you effectively, even if you think you're not financially set, so to speak. Now, here's a reality for each of us. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. It's a long chapter, a wonderful chapter. But I just want to look at verses 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles, Paul said, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Before he became a Christian, he was a terrible persecutor of the Lord's church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am one. And I did not take that lightly. Paul rejoiced in the work that God had called him to do. And he said, I labored more abundantly than they all, but it wasn't me on my own, by my own power exclusively. It was by the grace of God, which was with me, that I did what I did, was able to be as effective as he was. This is the reality for each of us. By God's grace, he can equip us he can equip you to serve him in whatever ways he wants us. He wants you to serve him. By God's grace, Paul effectively served in the ministry that God had in mind for him. Ephesians 3 and verse 8. And each of us needs to simply Believe in and live by what Paul learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's grace is sufficient when you come up short by your own ability and power. Believe that. Don't let the devil keep you from becoming a Christian. Don't let, you, don't let the devil talk you into not being an active, working Christian because you think you can't do it. God's grace is sufficient. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace to equip us to do what you would have us to do. Help us, Father to trust your grace, to believe in your grace. Guide us to be the servants, the faithful followers that you would have us to be. Guide us in this, Father. Guide us that your will will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.